truths to hold on to when your heart is troubled. Next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Thank you for joining us today for Abounding Grace. We'll be in John chapter 14, once again exploring Jesus' answer for troubled hearts. And I think you'd agree there are many troubled hearts in the world today, maybe even your own. Well, the good news is God has an answer, and it's the very same answer He gave to His troubled, confused, and disturbed disciples. This is for the Christian here today, the Christian listening in. No matter what happens to you, you're going to heaven. All right, just take that to the bank, all right? No matter what happens to you, heaven is promised to you. There is a heavenly promise that's available to you when Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. God has promised you heaven. You're gonna make it by the power of God. You're gonna make it. God is gonna fulfill his eternal promise to you. I mean, thinking about eternity helps to put perspective on the here and now. You're gonna make it. You have God's word on your eternity. It's the promise for every believer that when we die, God has a place prepared for us, an eternal dwelling place. Are you enduring hardship today? Are you battling an illness? Are you in the throes of grief? Has your marriage fallen apart? Are your kids going sideways? Whatever difficulty that's getting the best of you, understand heaven is still yours. There is a heavenly hope that there is an eternal purpose in all the things that you're facing. Let me show you what I mean. Turn over to 2 Corinthians, would you? Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a few pages over to the right. Heaven is the promise for the Christian. And one, one of the ways that we add to, the troubling, to our troubled hearts is we think that this is all there is, this world, that's it. That's all there is. Man, if this world is all there is, we're in trouble. You know, there's even people singing songs, you know, they even write songs. Oh, we have heaven on earth. Man, if this is heaven on earth, I don't want it. I want real heaven that transcends this earth, that gets beyond the pain, that gets beyond the sin, that gets beyond the difficulty. I don't want heaven on earth. I want the heaven that God promised me. I want the heaven that he is going to take me to as I walk through this earth, trying to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. Notice chapter 4, verse 8. This is Paul's life. Just a little glimpse. It's not even close to what Paul has experienced. But here's what he says in chapter 4, verse 8. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Then jump down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing. Can anyone say amen to that? Just in case you haven't noticed lately, your body, it's not getting better and better. The outward man is perishing. Why? I think it's one of the ways that God wants to remind us that earth is not our home, that these, these tents 
These earthly dwellings that God has given to us are not permanent. One day we're going to shed these earthly bodies and God is going to give us a new body in a new heaven and a new earth. Our bodies are wearing out more and more. But the inward man, verse 16, is what? Being renewed day by day. And more can say amen to that. Daily you're being renewed in the spirit. Daily God is changing your life. And then he says, with this in mind, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Remember, if you haven't already, because we've looked at these verses many times before as a church, if you haven't already, mark that word for. And just remember, it's not the word against. The trials in your life are not working against you, even though you might feel that way. They're working for you. And they're working for you, notice, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Heaven is our promise. But heaven isn't for every man and woman. Heaven is reserved for only those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And for those that have, God is preparing a place for you, just for you, and it will be beyond your imagination, an amazing gift of God to you and to me, Don't be troubled, Jesus says. Don't be troubled, friends. God has given you his word. Trust him. And you're going to heaven. Look forward to that. Number three, back in John 14. Number three, the truth to hold on to is Jesus Christ is coming back again. Jesus is returning to come again and fulfill, not just for all his promises, and not just to fulfill the fact that he said so. He's coming back again for you. He's coming back to receive you to himself. That's what he said. He says, I, if I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, you'll be also. And what peace to the troubled heart that Jesus Christ is returning. Our, heart, our hearts cry out with a word that is commonly used among us, Maranatha. It literally means, even so, Lord, come quickly. We cry out with our hearts, Maranatha. And I know that for some of you, the coming of the Lord isn't so encouraging. I've met many people when they think of the coming of the Lord, they go, I want the Lord to come back. But if he, God, can you just come back after next July? Because I've got a big event happening right there in July, and I want to go through that event, and then you can come back. Or on a more serious tone, your mom's not saved. And you're like, man, I want, I want you to come back, Lord, but I want my mom saved. I want my brother to come to know you. I desire you to work in my family. God, I I want you to come back, but I want to see my loved ones come to faith. And there's that tension as we expect the coming of the Lord, but then we also fight the coming of the Lord. But Jesus is telling you that his coming should encourage your troubled heart, that he is coming back to complete what he started. He is coming back. And someday, maybe sooner than we think, he'll return to this earth and establish his kingdom. And I pray that you're ready for that day. He's coming for those that are waiting and watching. Let me show you what I mean. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It was really a blessing for me uh, of the selection of songs today that Pastor Ian and the team shared with us and led us in worship because we, we sang this verse. This verse, if you were singing, came out of your lips. And it's, here's where it came from. And we'll notice, pick up with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. As Paul's writing about the resurrection of the Lord and his soon return, he says in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, 
that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, that's not just something, the verse that we have in the nursery. Wait for it. Wait for it. All the kids need to be changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for your courtesy laugh. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And notice, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You know how fast that is? That's the speed of light bouncing off your eye. It's faster than a snap. It's faster than a thought. That in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, as the last trumpet is sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's the promise of Jesus Christ soon return. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then we shall be brought to pass, saying that what is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? And O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, you be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. The Lord is coming back. It'll begin the eternal state, being reunited with the loved ones that have gone on before us, having the fulfillment of the promises of God. I like what Greg Laurie says. He says that, and I quote, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Indeed it is. Are you prepared? Are you waiting for your Messiah? Does this calm your heart, knowing that the soon return of the Lord could happen at any moment? Jesus, he is coming again. Don't be troubled, friends. God has given you his word. You're going to heaven. Jesus coming back again. And number four, number four, Jesus is the only way and the only truth and the only life. Those of you that have chosen Jesus Christ have chosen the right way. Remember, this verse was not given as a theological statement, verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We often use it in our, in our evangelism and sharing the gospel with people to, to make sure that people understand that there is no other way to salvation. There's not two ways. There's not four ways. You'll notice even in the text, Jesus doesn't say he's a way, and he doesn't say he's some way. What does he say? He is the way. It's a very exclusive statement. And this verse wasn't given primarily to teach the apostles' doctrine, although it is a very doctrinal statement and very true. It was given to them to comfort them. He says, you guys have chosen the right way. Man, we don't know where we're going. We don't even know the way. And Jesus says, yes, you do know the way. I'm the way. You have chosen well. Don't let your hearts be troubled because you've chosen the right way. And what great confidence we gain, church, by knowing that Jesus is the way. Jesus tells him, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And even though Thomas jumps in with a very good question, Jesus answers it very directly. Because in this moment, the room is filled with troubled hearts. The disciples are clueless of what Jesus is talking about. And quite frankly, John chapter 4, verse Chapter 14, verse 6, is one of the most controversial statements in all the scriptures. There's a lot of arguing going on over this statement. But listen, Jesus said he's the way. I'm simply repeating what Jesus said. He is the only way to salvation. 
And you have to decide what you're going to do with what Jesus said and how will you respond. For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, those of us that have been born again, God has changed our lives. It's a very comforting thing to know that Jesus is the way. I'm encouraged. Not only do I read it in the scriptures and I trust him in it, I have seen personally in my own life and countless others the truth of Jesus speaking. He is the way. He is the solution to the issue in your life right now. He, he is the one and the only one that can forgive you of your sins. And, and that's really the big deal in our lives. The big deal in our lives is our sin. Do you know the Bible says that our sin has separated us from God? And I recognize that in life there is that sense of wanting to be a good person. And you may even see yourself as a good person and can find many, many people that you compare yourself with to say not only are you a good person, but you're a better person than so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm very grateful that you're good, and I'm very grateful you're a very moral person, that, that, you, have, that you have made decisions to help society instead of hurting society. I think we could all agree we need more good people in the world. But I want you to know that being good will not get you to heaven. Because you'll never be good enough. You can compare yourself to some people that are worse than you and it'll make you look better. We can all do that. But the only comparison that we need to be making is not to good people, but to the perfect one, Jesus Christ, who God in human flesh, 100% fully God and fully human, he sets the standard of what God is looking for. God requires perfection. And that's why his death on the cross could provide the forgiveness of your sins. I mean, measuring up to Jesus Christ, it's very clear that we have all failed. The Bible puts it this way. We have all fallen short of the glory of God because why? We've all sinned. There isn't anyone listening to my voice right now that hasn't sinned. Some of us have sinned worse than others, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Another way of saying that is that we've all made mistakes and aren't perfect and have been separated by, from God because of our mistakes. And there's only one remedy. There's not two remedies. There's not three ways to come back. I mean, I, I'm speaking to those of you that are carrying around these heavy weights of burdens in your life because you recognize you don't really need anybody to describe to you sin in your life. You know what sin is, and you know what the sin is in your life. You know what it is. You could pinpoint it. I could go through a list of 100 things and maybe still not hit what you're dealing with, but you know. You know of your own sin. You know of the issues in your own heart. And instead of coming to Jesus Christ, the only one true way, the only one true source of life, the only one true path to God, you've chosen other things. I, I can't help but think of those that have turned to the bottle or turned to some medication to numb down the feelings of guilt and the things you carry around because of your sin. And when you took the first drink, you had no idea it would capture you. You had no idea you'd become an addict. You had no idea the destruction that it would bring. You had no idea the people you would hurt. Because that wasn't, wasn't what you were looking for. You were just looking for a way to deal with the weights in your life. You were looking for a way to take the edge off of life and how hard it is. And instead of turning to God, you turned to some substance. And it wrecked you. And it destroyed you. And what happened? It didn't take away your guilt. What did it do? Added more. And then it added all of the consequences. And then you began to wonder, what did I do and what am I doing? And then your friends, you found out they started to disappear. And maybe it wrecked your marriage. Maybe it hurt your kids. And you know, only Jesus Christ can deliver you from a life like that. He's the only way, the only truth. And I'm always amazed when I'm talking to people and they get upset with this truth. They get really mad. You can't say that. There's got to be more ways. What about all the other religions? 
I believe that all roads lead to God, they will say. And I don't like what that, I don't like that Christianity. I don't like that one way. Because I believe as long as a person is sincere and their heart is right place and they do good, they're going to make it to God. Because again, all roads lead to God. Well, I have to say this. I believe that all roads lead to God. If you mean that after you die, every single human being will stand before God and have to account for their lives, I believe that all roads lead to God. Because at the end of your life, you and I, we will have to stand before God and account for our lives. We will have to account for all the times somebody shared the gospel with us. How many times we resisted the work of the Holy Spirit. How many times we chose against God instead of for God. If that's what you mean by all roads lead to God, I would agree with you. One day you will face God and account for your life. But if what you mean by all roads lead to God, that you can get to heaven any way you want, and all of the false religions, you see why Jesus saying, I am the way, that means any other religion, any other system of a belief that doesn't believe in the one true God and his son Jesus Christ is false. And if you mean, well, all these false things and all these ideas, everybody's going to make it, I'm here to tell you, you're not everybody's going to make it. And if I have, you know, as much as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to preach the love and grace and mercy and the gospel of Jesus Christ till the very end. So as many people that hear me will make it by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, receiving the only source of forgiveness. It's amazing how, how maybe you have this approach to life and you're, you're just really into, you know, I think all roads are going to make it and, and, and you're really open when it comes to God. And you really are, are upset with the absolutes of God. Where this is a very absolute statement. But then when I talk to you and say, hey, do you have any money? Yeah, well, I want some of it. No, that's my money. Oh, okay, your money. I mean, it's not my money? No, it's not your money. It's my money. Well, I see you have a nice house. Would you like to give it to me? That's my house. Oh, all right. How about that nice ride you got? Can I have it without the payments? That's my car, you know? And you have all these absolutes, my car, my money, my job, my... There's so many absolutes, but when it comes to God, ah, any way you want. That's a very inconsistent way to live your life. You can't have it both ways. You can't say that there's no such thing as absolutes and then absolutely believe that there's no such thing as absolutes. It's not possible. You can't have that. Now notice, notice, even though this is the most controversial aspect... Listen, God is for you and not against you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. This isn't a do-it-yourself belief. This isn't something you can make up on your own. God has given you the way, and Jesus has told you how to get there. He's the one that died on the cross for you. He's the one that paid the price for you. He is the only one qualified to bridge the gap between sinful humanity and a holy God. He was fully human and fully God. And that's why his death and his death alone was sufficient to give you the forgiveness and the release of guilt and shame that you've been looking for your whole life. Jesus lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death and he rose again from the dead. And now that same Jesus who died and rose again stands at the door of your life and knocks and says to you, if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into you. I'll come into your life. I'll have fellowship with you. Now, what's interesting about this truth is that it is a scripture that's quoted from the book of Revelation, and Jesus actually says this to a church. He's at a church knocking on the door and saying, let me in. And we see that as a great example of now God is knocking on your heart, your own life. You're in a church. You're listening in on a Christian station somewhere. You, somebody has invited you to hear 
the hope of the gospel. And now God is knocking on the door of your heart. And you know, the thing about the door of your heart is the handle is on the inside. You have to open yourself up. You have to humble yourself before God. You have to ask for forgiveness. You have to come to him. You have to make your own decision. You see, God, he doesn't have grandchildren or great-grandchildren in that sense. He only has sons and daughters. You can't live on the faith of your husband or your wife. You can't live on the faith of your parents. You have to come to God yourself. And the only way to become a child of God is through faith in Christ. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to be sons, to become sons of God. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And although these are very encouraging things, Jesus speaking to us as believers and he says, you know what, just trust me, trust my word. Just remember heaven is promised to you. And as hard as it gets here, there is gonna be an end to your trial. There will be an end even if it is all the way into eternity, one glimpse of God in person will make all the pain and difficulty so much in perspective. Not only that, but the return of Jesus Christ. He says, you have a troubled heart today. Just remember, Jesus is coming to deliver. You trust him, you hope. The Bible says anyone that has this hope of the return of Jesus purifies himself. And there's just that inner working of the spirit. Not only that, he says, I'm the way. You've chosen the right way. I know it's hard, but you've chosen the right way. And of all of those being very encouraging, the greatest answer to the troubled heart is salvation. That God would save you from a meaningless existence and put perspective and meaning into your life where you discover the purpose and the will of God for your life and you begin to live that unto him. There's no greater peace to know that God, his thoughts towards you are good and not evil for a purpose and a plan that trials, yeah, they're working for you, not against you, even though you're hard-pressed, even though you're crushed, even though you're delivered to death every day, even though you're racked with phobias and fears and overwhelmed with anxiety and things are completely out of your control, Jesus says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Amen. Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Gospel of John and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Pastor Ed, we've just entered September, and with that comes an exciting new resource to tell our listeners about. It's a book by Scott Sauls, and it really ties into what you've been talking about. Yeah, the pick of the month is Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, and I have appreciated the book writing skills of Pastor Scott Sauls. He has a way of communicating, especially in such a divided culture, that really blesses and encourages And the subtitle of this book is How God Redeems Regrets, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. And right from the book, it says you can find hope in how God is drawn towards you, not appalled by you. Practice emotional health and joy, gratitude, and even lament. And lament is, there's another great book on lament. If you go to calvaryco.store, 
Uh, lament isn't a powerful tool in your toolbox when you're in pain. Uh, he talks about quiet shaming, wearying thoughts, and this is a resource that will bless you. Uh, if not you, someone close to you that's been hurting. And so, you know, what caught my eye is not only the author, I read everything that he writes, but the regret, regret, that, that seems to be overlooked a lot in the issues that we deal with. And you know what? We could all done better. We would all make different decisions back then with what we know now. But we just say, Lord, take it, use it for your glory. So beautiful people don't just happen. Get it. If you get it through us, it supports the ministry. Fantastic. And we continue to go forth with the gospel. Uh, But wherever you get books, it's available. God bless you guys. Request Beautiful People Just Don't Happen by Scott Sauls when you give $25 or more today to Abounding Grace. It's available by calling 877-30-GRACE or order online at calvaryco.store. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.